Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is October the 22nd, 2023. It's been 3,526 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 241 days since Russia expanded its war of aggression against Ukraine. Today's podcast covers the events that happened over the weekend. During today's podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed, and there is a link in the podcast description. There are a lot of updates today. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, Operational Commands North, South and East of Ukraine, Open Source Intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth. Because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. The Russian Federation has shifted its tactics, adopting private military company Wagner-style attacks in its latest offensive. These attacks have resulted in heavier casualties and fewer successes because Ukraine has adapted to defend against human-wave-style assaults and has increased artillery capacity. Because of this adaptation, the Russian Federation's attempts to force Ukraine to utilize its reserve forces and accelerate the consumption of ammunition due to the United States' military aid remaining in limbo remains unsuccessful. The poorly executed offensives, which are continuing, are causing some of the largest Russian losses of personnel and equipment since February 2022. The new Russian offensive has exposed the degradation of their artillery capabilities due to a shortage of replacement barrels, a lack of powder charges, and the reluctance to use full charges for maximum range to preserve the lifespan of existing barrels. The introduction of improvised mortar tubes in the Kherson Area of Operation, or AO, further indicates that Russia's artillery capabilities are under significant stress. We assess that the Russian Ministry of Defense is committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient, regardless of the cost, and while some Ukrainian sources have started declaring the end of the summer-fall counteroffensive, we maintain uncertain due to Russian mail bloggers lamenting that the intensity of Ukrainian attacks is not subsiding. We maintain the soft response by Ukraine's allies after Russian aggression on Ukraine's border will eventually lead to a significant incident that could result in military intervention. The failure of the United States House to elect a new speaker and another decision to take a weekend break will almost certainly impact Ukrainian military operations by mid-November. We believe there is little chance a new speaker will be elected within the next 4 to 11 days. The Kremlin is using the Israel-Hamas war as a distraction in the information space to fracture support for Ukraine further and is successfully framing the Hamas-Israeli war as an Arab-United States and NATO war. 
Russia is stockpiling missiles and drones for large-scale attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure as the weather continues to degrade. Finally, while the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. Today's action report starts in Kharkiv. In the Kupiansk operational area, AO, Russian forces have started to use less armor and are employing PMC Wagner-style human wave assaults in an attempt to overwhelm Ukrainian positions. Favorable terrain, well-built defenses and extensive minefields are causing significant Russian casualties. On our war map, the gray area was expanded west of Leman Pershi, after which you located a video showing a Russian tank destroyed by an anti-tank guided missile, or ATGM, west of the known line of conflict, or LOC. Fighting also continued near Sinkivka, with no change in the situation. East of Kupiansk, Russian forces continued to launch attacks from Orlyanske and in the direction of Ivanivka. The Kraken regiment has been deployed to Ivanivka, and the video we geolocated showed Russian forces suffered heavy losses and retreated to Yahidne. We link to both of the videos and more in our daily situation report. Patreon subscribers get access for as little as $5 a month. There is more information in the podcast description. Up to four Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack destroyed the Kharkiv logistics and distribution center of Nova Poshta, a Ukrainian-based package and courier delivery company similar to DHL. The S-300 missiles were launched from Belgorod, used a ballistic trajectory and reached the building in under three minutes, leaving the 22 employees inside exposed. At the time of publication, six were killed and 16 wounded, with seven hospitalized in critical condition. Two of the deceased were so badly burnt that investigators will have to use DNA for identification. Moving on to the situation in the Donbass, Russian forces launched numerous new offensives. We start in Luhansk and the Svatova AO, where Russian forces attempted to advance on Novoselivske on October 19 without success. Heavy fighting continued in the Nadia, Sergeyevka and Raihorodka region. Further south, Russian forces continued their attempts to advance toward Makiivka, without success. The Ukrainian 68th Jäger Infantry Brigade reported they were well prepared for the oncoming Russian attacks from Raihorodka, saying, quote, Our brigade, without waiting for them, the Russians, to accumulate strength, carried out counteroffensive assault actions, recaptured a couple of positions and took a lot of equipment and prisoners. Unquote. In the Kremenna AO, Russian forces probed Ukrainian defenses east of Nevska on October 19, suffered significant losses and returned to their defensive positions. Russian forces also attempted to advance south from the settlement of Dubrova as fighting restarted in the Serebransky woods. A Russian mail blogger reported that the Azov Brigade was pressuring Russian defense lines west of Shipilivka. Wait, there's more. In the Lysychanskoyo, Russian forces renewed attacks in the Bilohorivka area region. In occupied Luhansk, 
a Russian soldier broke operational security, or OPSEC, by sharing a video that provides a battle damage assessment, or BDA, of the Luhansk airfield after the attack and strike. The video showed wide areas of the flight line were heavily cratered, and several Ka-52 alligator attack helicopters that had their rotors removed. The helicopters are staged for transport back to Russia to be repaired or scraped. In northeastern Donetsk it was the same situation, with Russian forces attacking along the entire line of conflict. In the Siversk AO, Russian forces attacked Spirne, and video that was geolocated showed that they were able to make marginal gains further into the village. In the Solidar AO, multiple Russian and Ukrainian sources reported that Russian forces restarted offensive operations, attacking in the Vasyukivka area. There were no claims of changes in territorial control, but fighting was reportedly heavy. In the Bakhmut AO, Russian forces launched offensive operations on October 19 from dubovo vasilivka to the Rose Alley district of Bakhmut in the directions of Bogdanivka and Hromova. Ukrainian forces on the north flank of Bakhmut are under significant pressure but are holding their defensive positions. The commanding officer for the Ukrainian 3rd Separate Assault Brigade reported that the situation has become very difficult in the Klishchivka AO. Andriy Bilecki discussed how Russia has established air superiority with drones. Quote, in terms of unmanned systems of the operational tactical class, the Russians are much further than us. I'm talking about the notorious Orlan. This is a big problem for us. We are not able to jam the Orlan in large numbers. It's certainly possible to shoot down, but our air defense, as you know, has a significant shortage of missiles, and spending them on Orlans, of which Russia has thousands, is quite difficult. Bilecki went on to say that when the Russian drones are operating, quote, your artillery is not working, an attack with armored vehicles or in any serious groups a platoon is impossible. You cannot transport ammunition, carry out engineering work, or dig fortifications. Unquote. The Orlan 10, which was derided in early 2022 for its limited numbers and cottage industry construction quality, has improved. The drone is equipped with the Comet chip, which accesses GPS, GLONASS, and China's BDS, making it very difficult to jam using electronic warfare. Despite the difficulties, Ukrainian forces made tactical gains in the Klishchivka AO northeast and east of Klishchivka. Ukrainian forces have started to advance on the Klishchivka Bakhmut road with the lock 2000 meters from the administrative border of Bakhmut and 2400 meters from the southern edge of the Mariupol cemetery. Ukrainian forces have also made marginal gains toward the T-513 highway and Odradevka. Fighting continued near Kurdumevka. On October 19, Kostantinevka was hit by four Russian S-300 anti-aircraft missiles used for a ground attack. Two missiles hit a school, causing significant damage, and another damaged a six-story apartment building. There were no casualties reported. Next, let's talk about the situation in southwestern Donetsk, 
where the most intense fighting in Ukraine continues. Russian forces are continuing significant attacks while making only marginal gains. From Friday to Saturday, Russia lost 45 to 90 pieces of heavy equipment, tanks, infantry fighting vehicles or IFVs, armored personnel carriers or APCs, and artillery pieces. This is in addition to the confirmed loss of 117 armored vehicles from October 9th to 19th. Pictures taken by drones showed a battlefield littered with destroyed equipment and torn bodies. Ukrainian military analyst Oleksandr Kovalenko aligned with the assessment we were going to share today. Russia has gone all-in to capture the Avdivka salient at any cost. Russia has already used five brigades to strike Ukrainian positions since October 7, including the 21st Motor Rifle Brigade, one of the most combat-capable Russian units before October 17. The attacks on October 19 and 20 were led by the Russian 114th Rifle Brigade, which was under strength and rushed to the lock. The spokesperson for the 110th Ukrainian Separate Mechanized Brigade, Anton Kutsukony, said that Russian troops had started to dig tunnels through the no-man's land to use as approaches to Ukrainian positions. Russian forces have been unable to capture Severna for almost a year and have lost hundreds of armored vehicles and thousands of troops in failed attacks since January 2023. Russian forces launched another significant wave of attacks in the direction of Novokolinova and Stepove from the approaches of the Krasnohorivka plateau. There were no new territorial gains, and Russian millblogger claims of an advance through Stepove to Berdyche are false. Russian forces made a new attempt to reach the Terracon north of the Avdivka coke plant, with videos showing their advance being repulsed at the approaches of the debris heap. We made minor adjustments to the lock and expanded the gray area. Claims by Russian propagandists that the Terracon was captured are false. Attempts by Russian forces to advance from Vodyane and through the no-man's land to Severne were unsuccessful. If you checked our wall map on Saturday, you may have noticed we recorded a Russian advance in the direction of Severne and several hours later removed the change. A Russian video that was geolocated showed a Ukrainian tank being damaged by a drone strike in the no-man's land between Severne and Vodyane. Based on its location, we overestimated the Russian advance. In Piske, a Ukrainian first-person view kamikaze drone destroyed a fully armed TOS-1A multiple-launch rocket system. The video is spectacular. On the eastern edge of Pervomaiske, Ukrainian forces made marginal gains with the lock now 900 meters from Piske. In the Marinka AO, Russian forces significantly increased their attacks, attempting to advance on Krasnohorivka, capture the remainder of Marinka, and striking Ukrainian defensive positions east of Pobeda. None of the attacks were successful. It was a similar situation in the Staromlinivka AO, with Russian forces launching multiple attacks. Attempts to advance in the direction of Prechistivka, Zolotaniva, Staromajorske, and Rivnopil were unsuccessful. Insurgents in occupied Mariupol set off a car bomb targeting an unnamed Russian collaborator. 
The car was completely destroyed, but there were no claims that the blast killed the intended target. Insurgents also reported significant Russian troop movements through the city, with Russian reserve forces being brought into the Donetsk region. Quote, In the direction of Donetsk and the direction of Volnovakha from Berdyansk, mainly trucks with manpower up to 12 units, partly with guns mostly of the rapier, T-12 100mm smoothbore towed anti-tank guns. In the direction of Berdyansk, air defense system, trucks with ammunition and engineering equipment move. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at malcontentnews. Continuing along the line of conflict, in Zaporizhia, the Ukrainian commander of the operational strategic group Tavria, Brigadier General Oleksandr Tarnavsky, reported that Ukrainian forces conducted 1,244 fire missions against Russian troops, mostly in the Donetsk-Zaporizhia administrative border region. On October 19, in the Huleipola AO, Russian forces attempted to advance on Poltavka without success. South of Urykhiv, Ukrainian forces made additional gains northwest of Verbove, with a salient developing between the settlement and the T-803 highway. A prominent Russian mail blogger warned that the new salient and the Ukrainian advance toward Novofedorivka had put Russian troops in a disadvantageous situation. South of Urykhiv, the Russian counteroffensive west of Verbove ended as quickly as it started with Russian forces losing ground. General Tarnavsky reported that Ukrainian forces had partial success. And based on open-source intelligence, we adjusted the map to reflect marginal gains. Fighting continued west of Robotina and north of Novoprokopivka, with no changes to the situation. Fighting continued on the western edge of Verbove and near Novoprokopivka, while Ukrainian source Deep State declared the front deadlocked a video that was geolocated showed Ukrainian forces made new advances east of Novoprokopivka and established military control of another section of the Surovikin line. Ukrainian forces are now 300 meters from the approaches to the third echelon and have physical control of the road between Novoprokopivka and Verbove. Russian mail bloggers reported that the intensity of Ukrainian attacks are unchanged since June and believe that Ukrainian forces have deeper reserves. This view might be fueled by no change in operational tempo after the Ukrainian 47th Mechanized Brigade was recently rotated to the rear for rest and reconstitution. In occupied Zaporizhia, explosions were reported near the airport in Berdyansk. Pictures shared on social media showed a plume of black smoke north of the city. Near Tokmak, partisans blew up a car with Russian troops who were looting unoccupied apartments and homes. It is unclear if the group was ambushed or set off an IED. The International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, released an update about the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. 
Rosatom brought reactor 5 to hot shutdown, joining reactor 4 in the production of steam for plant operations and heat for the adjacent town of Energodar. Russian occupiers have also restarted eight of nine operating mobile diesel-powered boilers to supplement steam production and provide heat to critical plant infrastructure. A steam plant capable of meeting the needs of ZNPP and Energodar is expected to come online in 2024. Ukraine's national regulator, the State Nuclear Regulatory Inspectorate of Ukraine, issued regulatory orders in June to limit the operation of all six units of the ZNPP to a cold shutdown state. Repairs to Reactor 6, after two minor water leaks were discovered, have been completed, and it passed pressure testing. On October 18, the plant lost its external power connection for two hours, possibly related to Russian drone and missile strikes on energy infrastructure. Inspectors at ZNPP reported they continue to hear distant explosions every day and occasional machine gun fire. Inspectors are still barred from accessing the rooftops of reactors 1, 5 and 6 and are also blocked from walking turbine holes 1 through 6, one after the other. Access was only granted to do a walkthrough of turbine hole 3. Now it's time to talk about the events in the Black Sea region, including Romania, Bulgaria, occupied Crimea, Odessa and Mykolaiv. On October 19, in occupied Crimea, Russian sources claimed that Ukrainian missiles targeted Henichesk, Jankoy and Sevastopol. There were no reports of hits. The introduction of Atakam's missiles has forced Russian commanders to disburse their air assets. According to the Director of Communications of Operational Command South, Captain Natalia Humenyuk, quote, Every time an air raid is declared, combat aircraft take to the air to protect the aircraft. Unquote. The scrambling of aircraft is to prevent them from being targeted on the ground. In Free Kherson, Kherson Oblast Administrative and Military Governor, or OVA, Oleksandr Prokudin said Russia carried out 103 fire missions, firing 513 munitions, rockets, drone-delivered IEDs and bombs, with 20 munitions striking the city of Kherson, wounding one. OVA spokesperson Oleksandr Tolokonnikov said that on average 38 aerial bombs and OMPK glide bombs are striking Free Kherson daily, up for two to three at the start of the summer. Quote, As for the rockets, not many reach us, but air bombs are very difficult to shoot down, almost impossible, because they fly very fast and are launched low. As for the destruction... If they hit a house, then nothing remains of the house, and an explosive wave destroys the nearby homes. Unquote. As Zarina Zabrisky has been reporting, Russian forces are destroying Kherson, as they destroyed Mariupol, Bakhmut and Izum. We continue to balance shareable information and supporting OPSEC. Ukrainian forces have military control of Krynke and hold control over the base of the destroyed Antonievsky Zaliznichny Mist, railroad bridge, and the railroad line to the bridge over the Verkhnyakonka River. There were conflicting reports about the status of Pishanivka, where fighting continues. 
Russian sources claimed that Ukraine continued to move troops into the region, remove the wounded and resupply. I know you want to know what our analyst's assessment is. We can honor OPSEC and share this public information. Robert Madyar Brovdi and his company, the Birds of Madyar, have been redeployed to Kherson. And yes, he has brought his magic pointer. He points at the screen and something explodes. He points at the screen and something explodes. He points at the screen. You get the idea. The arrival of Brovdi and his unit is almost certainly the reason Russian forces started complaining about precise and relentless drone strikes as far as 30 kilometers behind the lock. And the unit's arrival is... Um, how do I put this? Interesting. Here is what we know in central and western Ukraine. On October the 19th, Russian missiles struck Krivy Rih, with Ukrainian officials maintaining tight obsec on the situation. Two people were killed when a missile landed in Dachas on the edge of the city. In a second strike, an object of industrial infrastructure was damaged. Russia may have some upcoming issues. Let's talk about the Russian front. Air defenses were active in Rostov-on-Don in the Rostov region, with Russian sources claiming a Ukrainian S-200 modified for a ground attack was shot down. The biggest story is what a NATO nation had to say about the situation in the Baltic Sea. President of Latvia Edgar Srinkevich said that if any Russian ship was the cause of damage to the Baltic connector gas pipeline or the communications line between Sweden and Estonia, the Baltic Sea could be closed, essentially a blockade to Russian traffic. Before I talk about theater-wide events, a quick footnote. We are covering the Israel-Hamas war and have started situation reports available through our Patreon. $5 a month gets you in-depth information about the Russia-Ukraine and Israel-Hamas war. There is a link in the podcast description. And now on to theater-wide events. During the evening of October 21st-22nd, Russian forces launched one KH-59 guided missile and three Shahid-136 kamikaze drones, with the Ukrainian air defenses successfully intercepting them. The spokesperson for the Ukrainian Air Force, Colonel Yuri Ignat, said that Russia maintains approximately 40 airfields that are used to attack Ukraine and that the withdrawal from the first echelon air bases will have little impact on Russian air operations. Brigadier General Yuri Petrov has been named the new head of the Southern Regional Department of the State Border Service of Ukraine. Petrov had commanded the Eastern Region for five years and is considered one of the most experienced leaders in Ukraine. The head of the Main Defense Intelligence Directorate of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, Uhur, Kirill Budanov, said during an interview that he has gone on missions in the combat zone. Quote, Sometimes my presence is necessary because we're all human. Everyone is afraid sometimes. Sometimes I find ways to encourage the fighters. Unquote. 
Minister of Energy for Ukraine Herman Halushchenko said that Russian forces are deliberately targeting linemen and repair crews while they attempt to restore damaged power equipment. Ukraine reported that they had confirmation that 122 and 152mm artillery rounds supplied by North Korea are being used in Ukraine. The shells were produced in the last 20 years. Germany announced a new military aid package to Ukraine. The details are available in the Situation Report. Croatia plans to transfer 14 Mi-8 helicopters to Ukraine, its entire air-worthy fleet. United States Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin and his Croatian peer Mario Banožić announced the transfer during a meeting in Washington, D.C. U.S. President Joe Biden has requested $61 billion in military aid for Ukraine as a one-and-done package for fiscal year 2024, which technically started on October 1. The money is attached to a $106 billion request, which includes military funding for Israel, humanitarian aid for Palestine, money to secure the southern U.S. border, and military assistance to Taiwan. None of this can happen without a sitting Speaker of the House. After three attempts to elect Congressperson Jim Jordan as Speaker, he withdrew his name, setting the Republican caucus back to ground zero. Lawmakers elected to take the weekend off to defuse tensions. Those screams you hear in the background are our team members based in the United States. Congressman Matt Gates, who put the removal of previous Speaker Kevin McCarthy into motion, said he would block all efforts to provide temporary powers to Speaker pro tempore Patrick McHenry so that the United States government can get back to work. The United States Constitution has no plan B if the majority party cannot vote for a Speaker, and McCarthy was the first Speaker vacated in U.S. history. The next part is for the 55% of our audience who is outside of North America. If you heard about freshman United States Senator Eric Schmidt saying that the House of Representatives won't pass President Biden's $105 billion aid package, don't worry. Schmidt is not in the House of Representatives and is one of a handful of U.S. senators who is on the record of being unsupportive of providing military aid to Ukraine. That's a lot of words to say he doesn't speak for the House of Representatives' leadership. If you've listened this far, you're probably wondering, has Russia tipped the scales on the battlefield? I could have made today's report a single sentence. Over the weekend, Russia attacked everywhere. You also hear some gloom coming from Ukrainian voices in today's podcast. However, Russian forces are suffering the largest armored losses since the March 31st retreat. And we maintain that the numbers reported by Kyiv on Russian casualties between 800 and 1,400 a day during October are very close to reality based on the extensive video evidence. It is difficult to discern the overarching situation. The only AOs where Ukraine holds the initiative are Orikhiv and Kherson, and it is very unclear what the mission objective is in Kherson. Several Russian mill bloggers are equally glum about the situation because of what they view are unsustainable losses, poor tactics, and a growing belief that it's Ukraine with a limitless supply of equipment, ammunition, and reserves backed by their allies, with or without the United States.
We are not prepared to declare that Russia has started a full offensive and state that Ukrainian summer fall offensive is over. And on the subject of unsustainable losses, the table for equipment losses was updated on October 21, 2023, and includes the losses suffered during the Prigozhin insurrection on June 23-24. You can access that in our most recent situation report. And that's your weekend update. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.